from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. A time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay. And joining me this week in person, actually, a, a, a special guest, a fellow sports business classroom alum. He's the host of the Cavalier Central Pod. On Twitter, you can find him at Justin Match 26. Justin Matcham, thanks for not only coming and doing the pod, but coming here in person. No, it's I'm more than happy to be here. Uh, really, really cool that we were able to do it in person. I've actually... So I started recording podcast like I'd never done a podcast before pandemic time. So this is actually the first time I've like I've recorded with another person in person. So yeah, cool experience in that regard. And uh, happy to be on here. Happy to be on the first time. Really lucky that we lived this close that we were able to do it. But happy to be here. Right. Yeah. You're uh, you're one of the few people that I know in the state of Ohio that actually cares about NBA basketball as much, if not more <laughs> than I do. So it is. It, it was a pleasure, obviously, to meet you in Vegas, and it's it's a pleasure to be with you here, here right now. But for for this episode, we decided that we were going to be breaking down the thirty NBA teams into tiers. I thought this was a an appropriate time to do it, given that we, uh, you know, most of free agency is over, the draft is concluded, we've seen summer league, so we have a pretty good sense of what most of these teams are. Still waiting on the Mike Scott decision. <laughs> yeah, there are a few stragglers for sure. But uh, yeah, the the idea behind this tiers pod is we're going to break them down into categories. The categories we'd agreed, we agreed upon going in was title favorites. Yep. So the teams that we thought, you know, if every team, assuming like, you know, average injury luck, that uh, they have a chance to win a championship. Then the second category would be title contenders. So this is teams maybe like what the Suns got last year where if they had, break right. Yeah, they had some fortunate breaks and uh, they, they were able to nearly get to the NBA championship. Uh, so title contenders is tier two. Tier three is the dangerous playoff teams, the teams that we think can. This category would be teams that we're pretty we're fairly confident are going to be in the postseason and also. We wouldn't be surprised if they win a round or two. And then the fourth tier would be playoff hopefuls, you know, teams that uh, are going to be fighting for kind of the, the play-in now, the, the, that 7 to 10 range. And then the final tier, this is pretty self-explanatory, but the lottery-bound teams, the teams we expect to miss the playoffs and be uh, in the lottery. Yes, and to be hoping for the the, the right bounces with the ping-pong balls. <laughs> so, uh Justin, I, I guess, was there anything else that we should sort of clarify to anybody listening before we get started? Or are you ready to mention your title favorite? Do we want to go with like how many teams we have in each tier? Or do we just want to do that as we go? Yes, I, I think before we start, before we'll, we start each, we'll tier. each mention. So I... Uh, 1A, I'll let you go first. How many do you have? Yeah, so 
normally, you know, I've done this many times on this podcast and normally I have three or four in this category, but this year I have just one, Justin. Just one. I have just one team as the, the team that if everybody has average injury luck, this is the only team that I see winning the championship. So when you okay, so question. So we, I think we all know who the team is, but um, <laughs> when you say in past years you have done this, do you mean like the past couple of years? Because I feel like the Warriors were kind of that team for a while. So yeah, I would say like um, yeah, three or four years ago, probably wasn't doing this as often. So yeah, at that time, yeah, probably between 2016 and 2019, it would have been okay. Warriors at the top. But yeah, for the lat for 20. For the 2019, 20, and 2020, 21 seasons, it was more kind of it up was in the open. Air. It was yeah. definitely more open. Uh, yeah. So you're about to start. I'll give you the. Yeah. So uh, you you kind of know what team I'm about to say, but that's the Brooklyn Nets. I think yeah. if they were healthy last year, I think they clearly were the best team. Mm-hmm. They uh, they nearly beat the team that ultimately won with basically one and a half of their star players healthy for the most of the series. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I think even if, even if they just had two of their stars healthy last year, or, or how about this? Even if they just had Patty Mills and they suffered the same injuries they had last season, I think they get through Milwaukee. Mm, I, I don't know about the, the Patty Mills take is an inch. I, I'd have to think that through a little bit. Uh, would Patty Mills, swing that particular series i mean he definitely he definitely given the offensive creation that they needed well and that was i think that was the big issue was they built the roster assuming that at least two of their three that main was, creators would be healthy yeah and um, so when two of them were down or when you had just a very limited james harden they didn't quite have enough offensive punch mm-hmm. whereas i think patty mills gives them that little extra kick that if if an irving or a harden are down or god forbid both of them are down again that he would give them at least another option outside of Kevin Durant. No, I think that's fair. Um, I guess I'll just say I had two teams in my tier. So we'll just start with the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously the Brooklyn Nets are the favorites. I do think that there's one more team that has more than just a, if things break right, they have a chance. Uh, Um, At least that level of that, that status. I'm anxious to hear who this is. We'll talk about it in a minute, but yeah, the Nets, um, Obviously, adding Patty Mills was a really, really underrated, important addition. Getting him on really, really good value, too, I thought was just huge. The fact that it seemed like he wanted to go there and was willing to take a pay cut. Uh, he was one of my favorite mid-level targets for most teams. Uh, and I didn't even know. I and mean, we saw plenty of guys signed for more than the mid-level. I thought there was a decent chance he became one of those guys, considering the Spurs just gave Doug McDermott $14 million a year. <laughs> Patty Mills getting six. I... Beyond me, I guess positionally, yeah. I understand it to an extent, but value wise, beyond me. But yeah, uh, getting Cam Thomas late in the second, or not in the second round, but in the first round, I think that kind of takes over the Mike James role from last year. And I think he can do just as good of a job filling that role. Um, and, and man, just thinking, imagining if obviously Spencer Dinwiddie isn't going to be there this year, but they would have been in a position where they even could have gotten him back. Yeah. for a finals run last season. Right. Um, but, yeah, overall, they, they have to be the clear favorites. They were almost a lock to win that series before the Kyrie sprain and Harden does not looking like himself. Um, 
and again, I can't overemphasize how close they were to still winning it, and despite still, how how much went wrong for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a lot. Um, <laughs> I think Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think he's gonna regress in any way this year. I don't think any of those guys are going to regress. I think they all have games that are going to age well. If anything, I feel like the the main concern is especially, and it's funny to say this because James Harden was an Iron Man for so long mm-hmm. of his career, but he has started to have some of these, you know, recurrent muscle injuries, and you do wonder about his durability a little bit at his age. A little bit, and you know, the hamstring and the, was it a quad or hamstring last year? I believe it was hamstring. Yes. Um, that was definitely concerning uh, that that was something he kind of dealt with all season. Uh, and there are questions as to, was that just because he didn't come into the season in the best shape with just with the whole situation in Houston. Uh, but you have to assume that this is an off season where he's going to lock in and he's going to get right. Um, one of the biggest concerns, and I think it was definitely an overblown concern, but just among people in general was, well, these three guys haven't played together. They haven't, you know, they, they haven't had that much time to really gain chemistry with each other. They're obviously not going to have an entire season to do that. Uh, just some smaller signings, too. I mean, obviously, they lost Jeff Green, but bringing Blake Griffin back. Uh, Bruce Brown as well. Bruce Brown back as well, yeah. There's just there's there's still so much this team can go to um, with Claxton. I don't think De'Aaron Sharp is going to be a, a real menace guy, but I don't think they need him to be, uh, especially with DeAndre Jordan still being around. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if – Nets management is allowed to even look to move off of DeAndre Jordan at this point. I feel like with Kevin Durant locked in, uh, maybe they'll feel a little bit better hurting some feelings. Maybe not. We'll just have to see. Yeah. But um, I, I still think I still think that there's another team in the tier of I can see them winning, but the Nets have to be the clear favorites. Yeah, I I completely agree. And and yeah, it's it's a fair point that. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's contract might be a decent, uh, decent size to, to get some, some extra ammunition if they need it too. That's definitely a possibility. Uh, the, the issue there is that salary matching wise, yes, it, it does have, you know, the, the size to do something, but he is not on any sort of type of value with right. the contract that he's on. They would have to potentially attach one of the young guys they just got or a future pick. They would have to attach probably considerable value to get anything that is like worth being in your rotation back. Yeah. So I don't know. I honestly see that as just more of a dump if they're capable of doing it. Uh, You know, the the classic OKC dump them for a couple seconds or whatever it might be. Um, Which again, we'll see if, you know, that's something that the, the top guys are okay with. Obviously, with the absurd tax bill that they're going to be paying, I'm sure the Nets would love to get off of them at this point. Um, just saying, too, I mean, it probably won't affect anything, but LaMarcus Aldridge might be back, too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, maybe. That's... I mean, that's just another guy to go to for offense off the bench. I thought he looked okay in the, like, one week that he played with them last year. Like, Again, you're not going to be relying on him too heavily, and you're probably going to be relying on him less this year if you were to be there. But another, you know, potential option they could go to midseason. Yeah, I mean, that that story was so sad, especially when you heard him talking about how hard it was for him, given that he he couldn't really mm-hmm. mentally prepare mm-hmm. for his retirement with that medical issue. But, yeah, it would be a really neat story if he got another chance to play and it maybe even win a ring. Mm-hmm. 
JJ Redick, I think. I think this is a team we can look at for JJ Redick. Obviously, been rumored that he wants to go home kind of on the East Coast. Uh, the Knicks were kind of a team that were rumored, but Brooklyn's right there as well. Um, just the fact that he's supposedly going to take his time and kind of look for his next spot midway through the season, I think the Nets are going to be, you know, barring disaster in as good a position as anyone. So that could be a JJ Redick spot as well. This, a team that has interest from vets that is already stacked. Like, I think that they, We'll make a couple more minor additions, albeit minor. Um, I think they're just they're in a good position. Yeah, and you know he's if uh, if they do get Reddick, he'll have the enormous shoes to fill that it, that was uh, Landry Shamit's shoes. Ah, Landry <laughs> Shamit. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I'm very excited to hear who this other team you have in this tier. And I, I'm also assuming, as at least this is how I did it, but even within the tiers, I did rank the teams. I in did order. go 1A, 1B. Okay, yeah, great. So let's hear who your number two team is in that top tier. I went with the Lakers. Okay. I went with the Lakers. Uh, I'm still not even sure if they're the second best team in the league right now, but I do give them credit because I think that they are the clear favorites in the West. Okay. At this moment, again, you know, barring any health concerns, um, I just think they're too good to count out in a seven-game series against the Nets, even. Uh, now, if they were in the East and they had to go through the Nets and then, you know, potentially even the Bucks and then and then play someone in the finals, maybe I wouldn't have them here. But being that I think they're going to have – I'm not going to say an easy path through the West, but I think that they should be the clear favorites through the West. If they can just get those seven games against the Nets, I, I, I still don't think they're the favorite, but I do think that a healthy Lakers team can beat a healthy Nets team in the finals. I think that that is a possibility. Interesting. So yeah, I do have the Lakers in the, the second tier, the title contenders okay. tier, but they're not even at the top. They're more near the bottom for me of that tier. So I guess I'm curious with with Los Angeles, obviously they made that big acquisition to get Russell Westbrook. They did about as well as you could do with like, uh, you know, minimum contracts to fill out the roster. But, you know, how do you envision this team in terms of sort of the offensive and defensive ranking? Because their their title team that that won in the bubble was basically the best defense and like a 11th ranked Mm, offense. Pretty good offense. So where do you see this? Do you still see them as the dominant defense or do you see it being more of a like top five on both ends? Where, where are you kind, I kind of, of see it, it being top seven on both ends okay. type of deal? Uh, obviously, I, I just think the talent upgrade of Westbrook, even if there are the, the fit concerns, the play style concerns at the end of the day, um, even if you do want to say that spacing is going to be a problem, you know, next to whoever else he's going to be playing with. Which I certainly would say there is. There's no, a, no, there, there is a there are legitimate concerns, especially if you're going to be playing another center alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis coming off a really poor shooting season. Uh, just, I, I think, I do expect him to bounce back in a pretty significant way this year, just because. As a shooter or just in general? Just in general, but yeah. as a shooter as well. Just because last season, it just, things seem to be working against the Lakers in a way that, you know, making one of the deepest playoff runs, one of the two deepest playoff runs in the bubble, not really getting an offseason, already being more of a veteran-laden team as it was. Uh, you know, I think LeBron had a lot on his plate and kind of broke down because he just didn't get that rest period. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Davis has been fairly fragile throughout his career, and we saw the same with him. So 
I think there was a fatigue factor at play. I think just the fact that none of, especially Anthony Davis could really just never get a chance to find his rhythm and get into a, you know, a shooting rhythm at any point in the season, because it was either, you know, just working his way back from an injury. And even if he did get a sustained, you know, amount of games where he played, I mean, these guys were still tired. It's not like they were at a hundred percent at any point last season, uh, just from a, you know, being not only health wise, but just fully rested, fully ready to play. Um, so I, I think having a little bit of an extended break this offseason will help, especially for LeBron and AD. But, you know, for, for you know, even Mark Gasol, who's getting a little bit of time right now, if he does play and if he is in their rotation, um, just getting a little bit more time to relax. He made a deep playoff run in the bubble as well. Yeah. Um, and he did play in Spain this summer, so we'll see how much. I mean, he didn't play very much for Spain. But I think they did, and I, I was kind of skeptical of the Westbrook, the Westbrook move at first as well, just because it's like, okay, now what? Yeah. what how on earth are you going to make this work? Right. Um, but going out and getting, you know, Kendrick Nunn with your taxpayer, um, Malik Monk on a minimum, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, I don't, I don't think I'm missing anyone, am I, as far as just their, their kind of bargain bin signings? Yeah, no, I think you got everybody. Um, I just think they did really well. And obviously they are a really old team and things can go wrong with really old teams just because all of these guys, you know, if the injuries could start to pile up, fatigue could, you know, potentially be a factor again. It's not going to be a traditional team uh, by any stretch because, one, Westbrook teams really aren't traditional teams. Uh, but you do have the, the factor of, you know, your backup guards and and Monk and none and even Ellington to an extent. I think Ellington is better than those two guys, but you don't have a lot of defensive presence. I guess I should mention Taylor Horton Tucker, who will be in that rotation as well, but um, kind of slipped my mind for a minute, but you're just the, the top talent, I think will be enough to figure a lot of things out. And I don't think that they're going to be running into any issues where they're playing guys who you're just kind of saying like, God, like this guy is getting cooked. Like you can't be playing him right now, like unplayable guys, because you have other options on the wing down low at the point. I just think that this is a deep team, which is surprising for <laughs> where they, what they had to work with. And I just think that the top talent, despite the fit issues, uh, will be able to work itself out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And yeah, I've heard obviously you mentioned it, but a lot of people mentioned that yeah, like they they did the talent play in Russell Westbrook, and certainly mm-hmm. he is a really talented player. And and obviously we've seen in the past that talent is more important than fit in a lot of circumstances. But I would also say that Westbrook might be the exception in terms of a guy that really does destroy the the chemistry, <laughs> the fit, the style that a team wants to play. And, you know, when I, when I look at this Lakers team, the, the, the part that makes me skeptical, you know, yes, you mentioned all of those, those guys they got on the margins, they can put together in my mind, you know, you, you put a lineup of LeBron, Gasol, AD, Taylor Horton, Tucker, and, you know, whatever guard you want to choose, even Russell Westbrook, Westbrook like yeah. that, that's a dominant defensive lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, you could throw out an AD, LeBron, um, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn and 
Trevor Ariza or like, you know, one of their other or or Carmelo and be like really unstoppable offensively. The challenge I see is where's those lineups that are great on both ends. And again, Mm -hmm. that's where, um, you know, that, that championship Lakers team was, you know, again, the the best defense in the NBA and in playoff time with LeBron playing 40 plus minutes was a, a top 10 offense for sure. I, I worry about this team, especially getting to the top five on either end of the floor, given some of the lineups they're going to be using. But uh, I, I also worry with, you know, when, in reference to the spacing, and you talked about your expectations of Anthony Davis maybe having a better year this season. I worry that the bubble where there was no travel, and this was the, that was the real, the run where his, his shot was terrific. I, I worry that's the outlier for Anthony Davis and every other season that he's played in the NBA is more what he actually is as a shooter. And, and that is fair. I mean, I think we know at this point that the bubble did offer favorable conditions for shooters. I think that was yeah pretty apparent watching. Um, and I don't know if he's going to get back to that level, but I still think he's going to get to a level where he is at least dependable to shoot from there, even if that is 34%. You know, but if, yeah, at, at the four spot, 34% is not really helping your space. It's not ideal, but I also think that we're going to see a lot more 80 at the five this year. Yeah. Um, and, and having, you know, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, guys who can kind of, you know, be in that forward rotation mellow, that, that allows you to play him more at the five. But I don't think they're going to be relying too, too heavily on the Marcus Gasols, on the Dwight Howards of the world. Like those guys will be useful in their matchups, but I do think we're going to see a lot of AD at the five. I even think we'll see a lot of LeBron at the four. And obviously they went out and got some other, you know, kind of older guys who have shifted to four later in their career. But I think LeBron is going to be asked to play that role and you're going to be able to have other spacers on the floor. And obviously, you know, you, you have Kent Bazemore, Trevor Reza, two guys who have been, especially in the past couple of years, pretty inconsistent as outside shooters, but I just feel, I guess what it comes down to for me as far as what the offense will look like is the type of role that Russell Westbrook accepts. Yeah. Which is a variable. And I I fully admit to that. But um, if it's Houston, Russell Westbrook that just kind of stood and watched as James Harden did his thing, uh, even if it's OKC Westbrook that, you know, kind of took turns on offense with Kevin Durant, where it was my show, your show, my show, your show, and just kind of switching back and forth. Uh, I think you could get bogged down at times. and I think you could run into problems, but at the same time, if you have Russell Westbrook kind of just playing alongside LeBron in the way that LeBron has gotten guys to play with him, I don't mean to say that in a cliche way, but if you can get Russell Westbrook to really be active on ball or off ball rather in a way that I don't know that we've seen him do a ton in the past, um, I think he could be devastating as a cutter. I think he could be done as devastating as just a guy who, you know, if he commits to just kind of flying around off ball, not even being a shooting threat, just, you know, being able to at any point in time attack the rim and you have LeBron driving to the rim, you have Russell Westbrook just finding any inch of space anywhere. You know, it doesn't even have to be outside the line. It can be in the paint. It could be anywhere, you know, mid-range dunker spot anywhere. That's someone who can then, as the defense has already collapsed, go out, you can kick it out to him and then he can attack the paint. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of a never ending 
attack of just guys, you know, bombarding you in the paint, and then you can kick out to shooters. Maybe one of those guys, you know, finds that inch of space, but almost in a way that, and obviously he's going to have more of a role and he's going to demand more of a role than Bruce Brown. But if he could just do some of what Bruce Brown has done for Brooklyn in the past year, I think Russell Westbrook could be used in a way that we haven't seen him used before. And I think that this is pretty much the perfect opportunity for him to try that. Yeah, I guess I just have seen enough. I feel like we have enough of a track record of what Westbrook is that expecting some crazy change in his play style is, I don't think is we're asking see a lot. A complete but, turnaround, yeah. but if he can even do some of that stuff with LeBron mm-hmm. on the floor, um, I don't think we're going to see LeBron playing a ton off ball. But you know, we're going to see LeBron kind of take a back seat at times and let mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook do his thing, which Russell Westbrook is still good at. Yeah. Letting Russell Westbrook control the show can lead to some mixed results, but it can also be really, really, really good and really, yeah. really fun. Um, so I just think there's enough individual creation ability from all three of them to if they can even just figure a few things out about each other to where, you know, they can become at least semi-effective off the ball. I think you have enough there. Yeah. And, you know, you can see a theory where, again, Frank Vogel, a defensive-minded coach, that that Lakers team that won the championship just a a little over a year ago in the Mm -hmm. bubble, that team was dominant defensively. And then they get out and run. You can certainly see how Westbrook fits into that theory of, you know, being a dominant transition player. I'm not sure how well Carmelo Anthony fits into that. Right. Or Mark Gasol or whoever, you know, whoever they might have playing out there, but he definitely does help that, you, you know, that's somebody who you get who can push the pace. Yeah. And we don't have to go into this like super in depth, but in, you know, just like thinking about a potential Lakers Nets finals, one of the mm. things that concerns me with this Lakers roster is, okay, certainly I can see them throwing out a lineup with Baysmore and Ariza as kind of the other two mm. around their big three. Mm. And that could be good enough maybe to to give the Nets some problems defensively, but then is that lineup good enough offensively? Especially if it's... To, those two guys are going to have to hit shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that is a question that you have to ask yourself, you know. Whereas, yeah, if you put out the guys like Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony can, that can hit the shots, then your then concern you're, is the defense. Yeah, yeah. And that is a fair point. Um, and it is going to, like I said, it is going to take guys like Ariza, like you know, Bazemore, whoever else it may be, you're going to have to hit, you know, in key moments, at least you can't be a PJ Tucker out there on the floor. Like the Lakers can't afford that with the other pieces they have on the floor, but I do think they have a chance at the end of the day. I still think LeBron is the best player in the league. uh, Despite, you know, what we just saw from Kevin Durant. I know that he's the second best player in the league, but the last time we saw LeBron healthy, he was still the best player of the league in my eyes. And until and that could be this year but until i see him healthy otherwise i'm still not going to bank against what he brings that's completely fair and again i i have them in the title contenders tier so obviously i could see them winning the championship it wouldn't shock me Mm -hmm. too much if uh if that ended up happening so let's get into that tier then so you had two in your title favorites how many teams did you have in the title contenders i had five Okay, so I had six, and maybe we'll have the same five since yeah. one of mine, obviously, is the Lakers. Do you want to go first and rattle off your five? Are we going the full five? 
Yeah, let's. Well, and yeah, why don't we say them first, and then we can okay. break down the individual. So I had the Bucks, Nuggets, Suns, Jazz, and Miami Heat. Okay, so we have a one difference. I think I know what it's going to be. <laughs> I've got the Golden State Warriors instead of the Miami Heat. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Okay, I knew you weren't as high in the Miami Heat. I yeah. did know that. I didn't exactly see the Warriors being the team that made their way in there. But. Yeah, so it looks like we both had Milwaukee as the, or at least yeah, for me it was the Milwaukee number one was team. my two A. Yes. Yeah, number one team in the in the title contender category. So, uh, I mean, we don't have to go into them too much. We because, just saw it. Yeah, they just won the championship. A few things broke their way, and they won the championship. Yeah, I think they've gotten slightly better this offseason. Yeah. Now a lot of people were concerned about them losing PJ Tucker. I am one of those, but also they do bring back Divincenzo. Uh, who will be healthy and well presumably he'll be healthy hopefully but uh you know a lot of people are concerned about all those switching lineups steven chenzo obviously is not pj tucker in terms of his defensive versatility but he's an above average player on both ends so Mm -hmm. maybe you you do lose a little bit with him instead of tucker on the defensive end but you gain some offensively i definitely think you gain something offensively with him on the floor uh Getting another shooter in Grayson Allen for Sam Merrill in a couple seconds. I thought yeah. that was a fantastic deal. Yep. Rodney Hood is kind of a flyer. Rodney Hood, I, I'm not sure how much he's going to play for them when it really counts. But if one of those guys, if, if, if a DiVincenzo goes down again, I feel comfortable with Rodney Hood being that guy instead of Jeff T. We saw just a couple of years ago now, Hood has has uh, dealt with some injuries, obviously, mm-hmm. since then. But yeah. just a few years ago, he was a, a solid playoff contributor for a Blazers team yeah. that made the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, getting George Hill back, I think is going to be a good addition. Uh, again, you know, not maybe not even the George Hill we last saw in the Bucks, but I still think a respectable backup guard who you know can play in that rotation and not be relied on too heavily. And to yes, to echo your pot shot at Jeff Teague, an improvement over Jeff Teague, an improvement over Jeff Teague, an improvement over Elijah Bryant, who we'll see if he makes the roster this year. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure who we're going to see out of, and I know this is not at all relevant to their title race, but I am really more interested than I should be, whether they waive Elijah Bryan or Mamadi Diakite, because they have one too many guys in their <laughs> roster right now. Yeah. Um, I'm a Diakite guy. I still believe in him. He didn't uh-huh. have the best summer league showing. He, Elijah Bryant must've like hurt his wrist or something, I think, because he wasn't playing yet a cast on, but um, yeah. And even it's obviously not PJ Tucker, but getting semi Ojale helps a little bit yeah with losing, for a few minutes here or there against with certain losing matchups what yeah. you got out of pj um obviously semi is a pretty one-dimensional guy as to you know he is somebody who you can throw on big wings and he can at least be strong enough to not get destroyed by them right you can stay in front you can you know hold your ground you're providing next to nothing on offense i mean you're a guy who you can pray that, you know, one of the five threes that he throws up and a series goes in. Um, but really, how much of that did we get out of P.J. Tucker? Yeah. And I think P.J. Tucker just has the name threat as being, you know, oh, the guy in the corner. But look at what we saw in Milwaukee when he didn't have James Harden generating corner three attempts for him. It's not like he was a big offensive threat for, for that team um, in any way. Obviously, I think he's more respected than than Semi is going to be. I think he's a better defender than Semi. I think he just kind of plays with that emotion too. 
they can kind of bring guys together off off and on the court. And I think you're losing that. But overall, I think that this team still got slightly better. And and just having a healthy DiVincenzo coming into this year, uh, it's almost like the the OG Ananobi of that Raptors team, you know, when yep. they won without him, uh, getting a, a really not, you know, star piece, but really key piece back, I think is going to be important for them. Yeah, I think they're just going to play a little bit smaller where they'll they'll play essentially, if you consider Middleton a guard, three guards and two forwards yeah. as opposed to, you know, two guards and three forwards. Like well, getting Bobby Portis back too, by the way, yeah. also huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other the other thing you have to mention with a with a team coming off a title is the confidence boost. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can get a sense of players sort of relaxing a little bit the next postseason because we've They've done it. Yeah. Yes. You you have that experience. You have that level of confidence uh, that that certain we saw it with, you know, the, the 2016 Warriors after mm-hmm. they won the title winning 73 games the following yeah. season. Uh, even that 2017 Cavs team, they lost to a, a terrific Warriors team with Kevin Durant, but I thought they were even better. I thought and they were better more confident. After, yeah. yeah. So you see that all the time. So that's another reason why they are right at the top. So a team that you had, I believe you had as the second team in that second tier was the Denver Nuggets. Yes, correct? So I have them in this tier, but they're the very bottom of the tier for me. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is just the uncertainty around Jamal Murray. And there's definitely uncertainty. Yeah. And the, obviously we we've seen it, Jokic and Murray, if they're playing at their best, this team is really, really good. And we haven't really even gotten to see them yet with this version of Michael Porter Jr. And with Aaron Gordon. So this team is deep. They added Jeff Green. Um, we'll see if Bones Highland is in their rotation as uh, all, yeah, but they, hey, maybe they, they brought back Will Barton. Michael Green uh, as well. Yes. Uh, so, you know, this lost to Vail McGee. That was a big one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he didn't, he didn't play much in the postseason, but, but yeah, the, uh, the Nuggets with the MVP with the, if Jamal Murray is able to come back at some point, And I guess the, the hope would be he would return sometime around the all-star break and sort of work his way back. Yes. And then by the postseason, he's rounding into form. I will say that is the, assumption that i am operating under and that was a completely blind guess on my part yeah and i fully admit to that but i am kind of i think just operating under the assumption that he will have enough time however much time that may be in the regular season to work his way back to a point where maybe he's not you know that guy by the playoffs but at least enough of that to where you know he can still be an effective starter uh you know even maybe an effective you know third maybe second option we'll just have to see obviously how he progresses from this, but I do think that this past season, um, I probably would have had the nuggets as my championship favorite. I think I would have as well. Yeah. I think the way they clicked when they got, um, Aaron Gordon was, was huge. I just think what he gives them is exactly what they need is the guy who you can, and they ended up not really utilizing it that much in the playoffs because they didn't play one of the bigger wing teams. But just having that guy who you can throw on bigger wings, who kind of throws a couple more wrinkles into your offense as well, was exactly what they needed. Um, And that's exactly what they got. So, yeah, um, obviously, Michael Porter Jr. dealing with, I believe, some issues. Well, I don't remember the exact issues that he had in the playoffs. I think he tweaked his back. Yeah, I think it is a little bit concerning, but I I don't think we've seen anything throughout the offseason that indicated that that's 
been a lingering thing. Obviously, we don't and he even, know that. He even played afterwards, mm-hmm. which I would have and assumed and looked, if it was anything serious, they would have taken him out. He looked okay, yeah. at least. But, you know, you're, you're banking on him being back fully healthy and with another year under his belt and another year of development. So maybe he's ready to take that number two option role on offense to where he can be the guy that plays off of Jokic. Um, and he's going to have to be when, when Murray's not there, which will be a significant chunk of the season. But I just think, obviously, you know, replacing Jeff Green or replacing Paul Millsap, rather, with Jeff Green, I think, is an upgrade. Uh, Just keeping your guys together and just having a healthy season, hopefully, for Will Barton. Um, I just think they have all the pieces together. I think that they probably would have been my favorite last year. I don't really see a team other than the Lakers who I would put ahead of them right now in the West. Yeah, so I guess for me, the reason I have him at the bottom of this tier and not towards the top is just I think if Murray, even if he comes back and he, as you mentioned, maybe can be like a quality starter, I don't think that's mm-hmm. quite enough for this team to be a championship-level contender, even with a small leap from from Porter Jr. Um, maybe you're envisioning even a larger leap than I am for, for MPJ. But the – that that's the big issue for me. Now, if he, if he, he can come back and and he's the Jamal Murray that we've seen in the last couple mm-hmm. of playoffs, then yes, I think they're right, right with Milwaukee at the top of this tier. Um, but I, I, I envision the nuggets having to be like, you know, the best offense in the NBA and, you know, a borderline top 10 defense that kind, kind of being their formula to a championship. And if, if Murray isn't quite that guy, I can't see them getting quite to a, a good enough offensive, elite enough offensive level to quite get over the hump. I think they'd still be pretty elite regardless if they had Jamal Murray in there. And he's not like obviously limited, like obviously hobbled by whatever knee issues he may be dealing with at the time. Uh, I think even just his presence as a shooter um, off movement, off of screens, uh, assuming he doesn't lose that and assuming he does have enough time in the regular season to work through that. Uh, I, I do think, and again, this is all assumptions on my part, but I just feel like from everything we've seen as far as his timeline, he will have enough time to work his way back into at least, even if he's not, you know, moving at the full speed that we've seen him move at to where he can just still be effective enough as a shooter. Um, having Just having a full, healthy Will Barton who can create some offense for you, having another lead from MPJ, just, you know, continued steady okayness from Aaron Gordon as a shooter. The offense is just going to be so good. Yeah. And if they're at least fine on defense, which I think they will be. Um, did I say offense or defense? I meant to say yeah, if they're defense, just fine on defense. Yeah. I just I, – I don't see a team – well, I already said this, but I'm just not sure I see a team that, that, that outdoes that. I just – think the offense is too much well let's get to the team that i think is my favorite in the west right now and you have them in this tier as well but maybe a little bit lower than i do and that is the the defending western conference champions the okay. phoenix suns so to me i mean again we we already discussed why i'm a little bit lower on the lakers mm-hmm. and why i don't quite see them as the favorites um but phoenix they were able to bring back Chris Paul, they were able to bring back Cameron Payne. 
They uh, they brought in a replacement for Sarich at the backup center position in JaVale McGee, which I think is a, is a great fit. Oh, I love that, yeah. Yeah, that he's going to be able to play. They're going to be able to play all 48 minutes with the same with, style with, yeah, because exactly. he can do the same You're not sort of lob offense that uh, that uh, DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. does. You're not going to be relying heavily on Frank Kaminsky minutes. Exactly. Um, or and, just no center minutes. And there's a lot of still, a lot of youth on this roster that I think is going to get better. You, I mean, Devin Booker still just 24 years old. Cameron Payne, I think, will get a little bit better. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. I expect a leap from a lot of these guys. And the only concern being Chris Paul at his age. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Lakers have LeBron, too, who's around the <laughs> yeah. same age as well. Uh, and and the way Chris Paul plays, his his style, I think, ages really well. We've already seen. I think uh, his overall effect, and I, I don't mean to cut you off. I think his overall style has aged well. Mm-hmm. But I also think that in a way that we haven't seen with LeBron, Chris Paul has worn down. Or at least he did wear down, not even just health-wise, but just – what he was able to give late in the playoff run that they had. Mm -hmm. I think we did just kind of see him run out of gas a little bit. Yeah. Which is a concern for me. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, I would also say though, that we saw Cameron Payne step up when they needed him at various times in the Western conference finals, that game two uh, against the Clippers, he stepped up huge, had like uh, 29 points. Was it a 10 assists in that game? So they've got guys that they've still got some depth. They added Landry Shamit in the backcourt that I think can help them a little bit. Uh, we'll so, do more for them than Javon Carter did, definitely. Yeah. He kind of just – Landry Shamit can be the guy to absorb all of your Javon Carter, Etwan Moore, Langston Galloway minutes into one, mm-hmm. which is nice to have. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the whole – there's obviously been so many people that have discussed that Lakers-Suns first-round series and how the Lakers were up 2-1 and they were only down by four at the half in game four and they could have easily won that game and won the series had Davis not gone down. But also I would counter, well, Chris Paul had that shoulder injury and literally couldn't shoot. So I almost consider that series like, you know – unintelligible you what yeah, team there, there was, was gonna win that in, yeah that whole series. uh i i i was not able to take away literally anything from <laughs> from that matchup given all of the issues that both teams were dealing with so i i still think phoenix is right there right at the top and again they they've got the continuity they've got the chemistry they've got the confidence of a deep playoff run and what that does for young players i think mm-hmm. is pretty huge uh, they're, I think they're pretty deep at just about every position. So yeah, I, I still think they're the, they're the team to beat in the West. Although, yeah, I don't think they're the clear favorites like the Nets are in the, in the opposite mm-hmm. conference. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it definitely was a crapshoot, but I still do believe that if we had a fully healthy Lakers team against a fully healthy Sun team, a fully healthy Lakers team would have won. Um, and that's even with I picked the Lakers in seven going in. Yeah. So I expected I, I it to be a very competitive series. Were the better team. Um, but again, I, I mean, obviously you have to include them in this tier because we just the, the, that is the name of the tier. If things break right, they can make it to the, the finals and possibly win it. And you could make an argument that Phoenix will be better next year than they were last year. The Lakers could be worse. That's a possibility. It is. There are just so many outcomes that we could see for the Lakers. Um, yeah. The, the Suns would probably be the safer bet, but at the same time, I just 
don't know if it's hard to pick against LeBron and AD. It's hard to pick against LeBron and AD. Um, and this Suns team did just have so many things break right for them. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, fighting through some of the Chris Paul stuff that they fought through and, and got through Chris, you know, not Chris Payne, Cameron Payne was huge for them. And getting him back at a reasonable number was also really, really, really important. Making a move on the margins to get Landry Shamit, who is going to be more impactful than the, you know, the pieces that you gave up for him um, was nice. And, and getting to Vail McGee, I think we just saw, I mean, Dario Sarge was never going to be an incredibly, you know, make or break the title for Phoenix player, but just not even having him in the finals last year and having to rely on either Jay Crowder, you know, at center lineups or Frank Kaminsky lineups. Well, Jimmy, we didn't mention that they lost Tory Craig, which hurts some. They did lose Tory Craig. Um, overall, again, more of this kind of a spotman and sky who you do lose a little bit of defensive versatility in the front court with him, but I do think that's recoverable. You know, having yeah. Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges there still is. Nader will be back. Nader healthy. will be back, yeah. and I think you kind of expect him to fill that role at least, at least absorb those minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that they are the prime example of a team that if things break their way, they will be right back in the position they were this year. But things are gonna they're they're gonna have to get a few lucky breaks, which is you know common for these teams. I think we can agree that I mean maybe for me, I think the Lakers would be able to do it all the way through. But other than the Nets, really, like the Nets are almost the team that are is supposed to win the championship this year. And for anything else to happen, you might require some luck. Yep. So yeah, hence why all of these teams I'm talking about teams here are, are in the in the luck category, the title um, contender. Yep. I don't think that the Suns were the best team in the West last year, um, and I do think that, assuming that we have a healthy Murray, and assuming that the Lakers do work out. I think both of those teams will remain ahead of them again this year. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. So let's talk about another team in the West that we both have in this tier, and that is the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I mentioned that the Suns are my title favorite, or excuse me, my Western Conference favorites, I have the Jazz right behind them, actually, okay. in the West. And the reason for that is I feel like the last two years – we got to see what makes the Jazz special in the regular season, mm-hmm. but then both years we had a key injury. The yes. year in the bubble, it was Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Last year, it was Mike Conley. And, and uh, Donovan Mitchell was doing yes, this stuff as well. Exactly. So I still think that in the right environment, if they, that put, it all together. If they put it all together and they're healthy, I still think they're right there. Mm-hmm. And they added Rudy Gay, um, essentially mm-hmm. as the thought that we'll replace Niang with Gay and maybe downgrade with the whole backup center position. They went from Favors to Whiteside. Um, I but, almost expect Azubuki to fill that role yeah. by the end of the season. But uh, I, I think the Gay upgrade is going to be more important than that backup center position, especially given that Gobert is going to play 42 minutes in a critical playoff game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I, I really like this team. They still have the same weakness they had last year, which is lack of perimeter defenders. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I am 
I am uh, really in love with what Donovan Mitchell has done to improve his game. And I'm, I'm really feeling more and more confident as we've seen him in the last two postseasons that he is a number one offensive cog and a really good playoff team. And then you've also got that defensive anchor in Gobert. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, they're, they're probably, again, another safe pick that they're going to mm-hmm. rack up a bunch of regular season mm-hmm. games and, and get home court advantage potentially again. Um, and yes, they're, they're not a perfect team. They have vulnerabilities, but they're very, very good. I think that they might be the safest team mm-hmm. in the West. Uh, I think they have maybe the lowest boom and bust potential out of like this core group of teams that could make it to the next level. Yeah. Like you expect them to be very, very good. And despite not seeing it happen yet for them. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get, and I, I don't know that we got all-star Conley last year. I think that was more just being nice to Conley and letting him have his moment with it, the all-star game, but I don't know if you're going to get quite that level out of him, but even if you don't, I just think having a healthy Mitchell in the playoffs, you will definitely have enough offensive firepower from those two to stay afloat. Uh, having Ingles, having Bogdanovich back, both of them, uh, I think, Trading either of them this offseason would have been a mistake, especially if you're not getting anything back just because then you're really kind of starting to get thin at that wing spot. You know, Royce O'Neal probably takes on a larger larger minute load. Um, And and O'Neal will be important for them. We talk about perimeter defenders. He's a guy who is going to be relied on heavily in that role. Because he's their only one they have. He's the only really (laughs) good one that they have, yeah. But I did like the gay addition. I think having him over Niang is just another offensive option that you can go to. Another guy who, you know, a bigger wing that you can throw on bigger wings. He's not going to do as he's obviously he's not PJ Tucker, but he's somebody who you can at least put on that. And you can use that assignment for spurts um, and he can give it his best. And, you know, you can get back to your guys. Another thing about Gay compared to Niang that I like too, and it's funny because I feel like a lot of the Jazz are are in this mold, but he's a streaky shooter. Niang, yep. he just like was consistently going to hit in the playoffs about 35% of his shots, but it mm-hmm. wasn't going to be, he's not going to hit three or four he's in a row. He's not going to get on a hot streak to where you're like, oh God, like, you know, he's swinging this game right now. He's yes. just kind of consistent. Whereas Gay can, thing. and, mm-hmm. you know, the Jazz just have so many guys like that. Bogdanovich, Mitchell, Clarkson, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Codley, all, they've got a ton of guys, Ingles, guys that could just get really hot. Yeah, and if that happens, then, you know, they could be problematic, and I yeah. think we know that. Um, yeah, I think the Go Bear is still not a playoff, you know, whatever is overblown. Um yeah. He's still going to be a really, really impactful defender in the playoffs. Uh, he's never been asked to be a primary offensive, you know, option. Like he's he's going to do what he does, and even if he's not racking up blocks, it doesn't mean he's not being an impactful defender. Um, nobody can defend Jokic. I think we know that now. Yeah, like he's going to do as good of a job as anybody is humanly possible of doing, even if he doesn't lock him down. Um, so. And how many how many teams this upcoming season, especially with the Clippers likely not having Kawhi mm-hmm. for the year, how many teams can do what the Clippers did to Rudy Gobert and the Jazz last year, where you spread you space yeah, out with I five mean, legitimate shooters? You know the the Clippers are a team that I think still can do that, but are they really? Is that going to matter if they don't have Kawhi? Yeah, uh, is the question. 
maybe you believe that the Lakers can do that with Anthony Davis at the five. Um, again, if you believe that he's going to be shooting the ball well enough, you can go with lineups there where you're playing a lot of, you know, LeBron or Reza's mellows, that type of player, the bigger wing who can, you know, just stretch out the floor. <sighs> Jermichael Green could kind of space the floor for you, but again, like I'm not overly concerned about that matchup for Gobert. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be um, the massive concern that I feel like we kind of hear people talking about it being every, every postseason. Yeah. And uh, I forget who it was, but someone on Twitter was breaking down some of the clips where people were blaming Gobert for these corner threes that the Clippers were getting when it was, it was just straight blow buys that the perimeter defenders of yeah. the jazz were surrendering. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, Gobert can He's either stuck in a rock in a hard place. You can either surrender a wide open layup, or you can give up the mm-hmm. corner three. And he's always going to take Check away that layup because, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. That I, I, I think Gobert, yes, he's. It's not quite as big of an impact in the postseason for him defensively, but I still think it's very, very good. Uh, so I, I do really like the Jazz. Let's get to our. Uh, our uh, discrepancy here in this category. And sure. that's where I had the Warriors and you had the Heat. So do, which which one of those do you want to talk about first? Let's start with the Warriors. I okay. want to hear your case. Yeah. So I guess a lot of this comes down to the combination of bringing Clay Thompson back. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a huge question mark over what type of player Clay Thompson is going to be now. If I had to guess, the biggest the biggest sort of struggle with his game compared to previous seasons is going to be on the defensive end. I imagine he was a he was a plus defender yeah. Yeah. previously. Now I think he'll be average to maybe even below average. I agree with these injuries, but offensively, I think he can give a very similar impact to this team as what he's done in previous years. That shooting stroke is as pure as it gets. His offensive role on the Warriors is a lot of screening movement and just catch and shoot and he is a master at that and I really do think that his presence being still one of the best shooters in the world is going to do wonders for this Warriors offense and we saw with Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins and just some guys that this team can get to you know inside the top 10 on the defensive end so my theory is with Clay there with Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bialica, a couple of the additions they made, the hopefully improvement from a guy like Jordan Poole. We saw some nice things from him towards the end of the year and in that uh, that playing game as well. The, this team can get to, you know, the 10th offense and the 10th defense in the league. And at that point, once you're top 10 on both ends, I think you're you're right there in the contender category. And then finally... The, the other thing is I, I still think they have some bullets in the chamber to acquire another quality starter to put around their uh, big three of, of Steph, Draymond, and, and Thompson. Now, if that happens, obviously they, they skyrocket up this, this tier list. I'm just not all the way there yeah. with the big three. It's I fair. Think. I mean, it, Clay Thompson could be significantly worse and, and maybe even be just like an average starter after those two severe injuries we do we just don't know i think steph is still going to be steph and i don't think that's going to change a bit and he by himself will carry this team to a being very good team um now getting clay back obviously 
that opens up so much for them that they just haven't been able to do with having another shooter of that level on the floor. Uh, and I don't think it's just a catch and shoot stand, stand still three point shooter. Um, he's going to have really any sort of drop off from, from yeah, what he was. Right. But it is just the, how much is he going to really be able to fly around off ball in the way that he did before? Uh, you know, what is that going to look like for them, for him? Uh, you know, what speed is that going to be at as compared to before? Uh, like I said, I, I'm not super confident that we are going to see a even average defender out of Clay Thompson anymore. Yeah. And obviously, like, this is all, again, speculation. Like, we just have to watch him play. We have to see how he looks physically. And until we do, it's hard to make a firm judgment on what that will be. Mm-hmm. And I think even having a guy like Wiggins there, helps because he can kind of take the tougher of those two assignments out of the two or three, you know, exactly whoever they are asked to guard. I I do think that helps, but at the end of the day, I just, I think, you know, clay will be a useful guy, like more than a useful guy. I think Andrew Wiggins will be a useful guy. I think Draymond green will still be very good, but I just don't think that this big three is going to be the last time we saw the big three. Yeah. I just don't think that they're on the same level as, outside of Steph, I think that they're both just going to be a level below what they were the last time we saw this group together. Not to say they're not going to be very good. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, I, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying there. And, and I'm almost putting them in this tier, making the assumption that they're going to add another, like at least and, starting caliber yeah. guy. And I guess maybe that's where some of the hesitation comes in for me. Cause I'm not hundred percent sure they are. At this yeah. Point. I, I think that there is a real, possibility that they do just roll it out with what they have right mm-hmm. now and by the way i think you know this i was very very high on the guys they drafted yeah i was a very very big kaminga supporter i uh, i had him fourth on my draft board i had moody seventh so getting those two guys where they did i personally think is i think both of those guys are going to be able to play minutes right away for him uh moody i think is really just a plug and play wing who's going to be able to absorb minutes from day one there. Uh, you're going to be relying less on a guy like Damian Lee in that role. You know, he, he can absorb some of the Kelly Oubre minutes. I think Kuminga can do the same. I think Kuminga could be somebody who keeps this team relevant a little bit longer than maybe they should be in the coming years, because I mean, he's not going to be, you know, the fourth member of the big, he's not going to be the new Kevin Durant that makes this team a four, you know, a four-star team, yeah, but like he could be good enough to, to keep this team relevant. I think moving forward, and that's I, the that's the big question too. Is just and and this is maybe my sort of basketball philosophy talking here, but when when I think you are, you know, a quality player away from truly competing for a championship, I think you just have to go for it. Now there is certainly plenty of value in a Kamingo Wiseman and Moody core moving forward past with, the, the years still of having Steph and, and even I mean, yeah. Steph just signed a massive extension. Like he's right. going to be there. Yeah. I think that team could be very good moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's also a kind of sense of owing it to Steph um, that, yeah. you know, he just committed again to you showing you loyalty by staying. Um, 
to where, yeah, maybe they do just want to show them that loyalty and say, you know, we're just going to go in all right, you know, just take one last legitimate shot at this for you. Right. Um, who do we think that guy is going to be right now? Yeah, it's tough I really to say. Um, the, the thought that I had, and I think um, money-wise, it could it could actually work with like a Wiseman and a Kaminga, those salaries mm-hmm. combined. Maybe you throw in Looney or something or yeah, one of their other smaller the salaries, salaries yeah. uh, for like, you know, to bring Harrison Barnes back. And you, you I, I know like a lot of people would say, well, you know, Harrison Barnes isn't good enough for that package. Perhaps Sacramento could throw Golden State a draft pick in return, something, something like that. Um, but, you know, a player of that caliber, I think, would put this team in in consideration because, again, unlike you know, previous years of the NBA, I guess you could say maybe the Brooklyn Nets, but like, uh, at least in terms of getting through the Western conference there, there isn't to me just this team. That's just so good that you, you don't feel like you have a chance. Yeah. And I think the West is definitely more wide open and that's why I put the Lakers in the tier a, because I feel like there's, they don't have a big roadblock from getting them to the finals. I don't think yeah. anybody has a huge roadblock. I think LA is the well, number one. I don't think the Lakers are ro- yeah. a huge roadblock to other teams. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a fair take. If, if you're not as, as high on the, the Westbrook fit, which I, I understand a lot of people aren't, mm-hmm. um, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but even if it is a Harrison Barnes, and if you're, if you're giving up that much other stuff, again, I just don't know if Harrison Barnes, it, you have a collection at that point of really, really, really good guys but outside of Steph you're just looking at okay you know really quality pieces around Steph but I don't know if that's going to be enough maybe it is maybe Steph is just going to be that good to where you know he is just going to go nuclear in a playoff series and and multiple in a playoff run you know cumulative to where you know the other guys can just be really really good even if they're not great and Steph can just handle being great and, you know, carry that team that far. Well, yeah, the, the theory would be you've got the best offensive player on the floor in a playoff series and Steph, you've got the best defensive player in a playoff series in Draymond. And then you've got three quality starters in Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins and Harrison Barnes, plus, you know, a decent bench with Iguodala, Jordan Poole mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, Toscano Juan, yeah. Toscano Anderson. They've, they've got like some bench guys that can actually contribute. So to me, that seems like a team that could actually compete in today's NBA. Here's my next question for you. Is Sacramento not going to try to win games this season? Yeah, because that is the idea that they would, by trading Barnes for those two young players, that they would be taking a step back. That's certainly, yeah, I mean, I, I was just throwing out a player that I think would, would make sense in terms of the quality of player that they would need to bring in plus the, the monetary figure. But yeah, I, I haven't really considered too much about Sacramento's thought process, but yeah, they, I mean, and that's really my thing with the Warriors is to, you know, Oh, they're going to trade for a star. You know, they're going to get their guy. They have all these young pieces they can package for a star. How many teams are truly not trying to win games this year? Yeah. And of those teams, how many of them have stars they're looking to ship out? Bradley Beal is going to stay in Washington this season, I think. I think, you know, maybe Sacramento changes their minds, but I think Sacramento is going to try to win games. I think Minnesota is going to try to win games. I think New Orleans is going to try to win games with Brandon Ingram. You, you just, you, I think Damian Lillard is going to stay in Portland. I think they're going to keep trying to win games. Same with CJ McCollum. 
I mean, you know, is Pascal Siakam leaving Toronto? I think Pascal is going to try to win. You know, I think Toronto is going to try to be a team that makes the playoffs this year. Yeah. I think, you know, all of the Pacers guys, I think they want to see them healthy. We'll talk about all these teams, but I think there are so many teams going for it this year, even if that does just mean getting a good playoff spot. I think there are so many teams that are trying to win right now. I don't see a ton of sellers. Yeah. And I, the Warriors, if a seller does emerge, are going to be a prime candidate. But until that moment comes, I think you are rocking with a lot of these young guys. And we haven't really even talked about how Wiseman fits into this. Do you see Wiseman as an impact guy for this team this year? I do not. I'm very low on Wiseman, which is why I envision him as one of the people that they're sending out and, in a potential so, trade. I mean, depending on how you feel about Wiseman, you're you're running with Looney at five again. Yeah. Which Looney, you know, has proven that, you know, he's willing to play hard. And he's going to give you all he has. And, you know, I mean, he's put up some inspiring efforts in the past playing through different injuries in the playoffs. Uh, and, and I think he is a serviceable guy. You can still run Draymond at five. But, again, that's just, you know, another option that maybe they don't have in Wiseman. Maybe they do. Maybe Wiseman has a bounce back here this year. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm completely out on him. But I just – if – there were more sellers emerging right now. I would feel much better about Golden State than I do. Yeah. Well, and one last uh, one last comment too. We brought up Otto Porter Jr. initially, but we didn't really talk about him in detail. But no. he's another sort of wild card where you know if he gets if healthy, healthy again yeah. and can play like he did a few mm-hmm. years ago, all of a sudden, like maybe is is he like acquiring a Harrison Barnes? You know. Um, and that that's another guy that could maybe lift this team up mm-hmm. a level. I do like, again, Andre Iguodala just with his familiarity with yeah. the team and the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, there are certainly, there are certainly some downside outcomes where this team is, you know, bottom end of the, the Western conference and losing in the first round. But I think again, Steph being as good as he was last year, Plus, you know, what we saw out of Draymond in that play-in game against the Lakers, those two in particular look just as good, uh, at least at their respective strengths. Draymond obviously struggled offensively, but uh, they looked great on each end of the floor to the point where it's like, yeah, if they just build around those two a little bit more, you know, I could see it. But um, let's get to the the team you had in this category and uh, the Miami Heat who I have in the dangerous playoffs team mix. Um, I had them as my last contender. Okay. So give me the, give me the pitch for why you could envision a world where if things go right, that the Miami heat could be hosting the NBA championship. Uh, I mean, you talk about again, guys who are coming off of recent championship experience. There's Kyle Lowry for you. And not that that's all that matters, but this is a team that needed to to get more as far as offensive creation. And I think Kyle Lowry is exactly that. Um, and I think I also believe in what he's going to bring more than some people might, because he did kind of look like maybe he was starting to regress this past season. I do think that circumstances had a lot to play in the whole Toronto situation last year. And I think that had a role to play on Kyle Lowry as well, not only dealing with having to play in Tampa, um, but also being, you know, involved constantly in trade rumors. And I mean, I know I watched the, 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 you know, post-game press conference with Kyle Lowry, like the night before the trade deadline, when like 
the whole topic was like, if you get traded to, or, you know, if you're, if you're not here, if this is our last time talking to you, like that was clearly on his mind on the minds of everyone around him mm-hmm. to where, you know, there, it, it's reasonable to say that maybe that affected things somewhat. So I think getting just a, another legitimate offensive creator in there and him um, is going to do wonders for that offense. Uh, it's going to take a considerable load off of Jimmy Butler as far as having to just create over and over and over again, which I don't really think he wants to do to the degree that he has had to in the past. Um, so you're basically putting Kyle Lowry, you're basically getting him as an upgrade over Kendrick Nunn, who obviously he lost. And I think you're getting a lot more on both ends of the floor. Or I would, I would say Goran Dragic. Or maybe, yeah. yeah, I guess you could, that's probably better. That's probably, I kind of blanked on Goran for a second. <laughs> yeah. But I guess just, even Goran, I think you're going to get a lot more out of Lowry than you got out of Goran on both ends of the floor. Um, yeah, we talked about this in Vegas. And we I think did we talk disagreed about this in Vegas. a little yeah. bit in terms of the uh, offensive, offensive impact of, of Goran. I do think that just the, the the shooting versatility that you get out of Kyle Lowry, um, as far as somebody who is able to get a shot off pretty much in any way, anywhere outside the line plus just be a bowling ball getting to the rim uh, and also being able to create space and get to his spots in the mid range and, and, you know, settle, you know, finish for floaters, get those little turnaround shots that he's so good at getting in the paint. Um, I do think that that's going to be just, I, I think he's going to be able to carry the offense. And I don't want to say carry the offense, but take more of a significant burden off of Jimmy Butler's hands in a way that, uh, that Goran couldn't. I think Bam Adebayo will take a step forward on offense this year. I think we kind of saw him experiment with that a little bit last year as far as working in the mid post and the low post. I think, and and even if that's not a huge thing, you know, if that's, I mean, he's not going to explode into this, you know, do every, you know, do everything on offense as well as do everything on defense center. But I do think that we're going to continue to see steps from him. Um, Getting Markeith Morris, I thought was a fine addition. It's just another floor spacer. I, I think I, I still believe in his ability to shoot the ball, even if again it was a weird season with the Lakers last year. I, I wasn't as huge on the PJ Tucker signing, actually. Um, yeah, because it's also people have to consider that it's really like PJ Tucker is almost even replacing Trevor Ariza as well. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a eh, it, it was a fine move, but again, a guy with a lot of playoff experience who's just coming off a title. Uh, somebody who I think is valuable to a locker room is just someone who can be a glue guy um, plays with a lot of you know energy that can rub off on people. I think uh, getting Duncan Robinson back obviously was huge. Uh, you know, I'm not banking on a star level leap from Tyler hero, but banking on development from him to where I just think the offensive issues that that team had, uh, I think they've done enough. I think they might even just get enough internally to improve upon, you know, those struggles. And Victor Oladipo is going to be back this year as well. Um, and we really have no idea what he's going to be. But if they get anything. I'm not expecting there, much. <laughs> if they get anything, though. I mean, that's just another athletic guy that you can put in there who, you know, maybe Victor Oladipo does come back and he provides some sort of, you know, three-point shooting off the bounce. Maybe even if it's not, if it's just, if it's any sort of off-the-bounce creation that he can bring off the bench, I think that is going to, you know, be an upgrade for this team. So I just think they did just, 
I, I was higher on the heat last year than maybe I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe that they were positioned to take a deeper playoff run than they did. Uh, and I guess I'm still just kind of banking on, like, I still believe in what they are capable of and adding Lowry to that, even at the price of Goran Dragic, I think is a considerable upgrade. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I certainly, uh, Again, we we broke this down in Vegas, but I certainly agree that Lowry is a significantly better basketball player than Dragic, but I would say a big chunk of that is just his defensive impact. Mm-hmm. Dragic is a well below average defender and Lowry is a well above average yeah. defensive player. Offensively, yes, I would say Lowry is a slightly better offensive player than Dragic, but I don't think it's anything significant. I think what Dragic did with the dribble handoff game at the elbows with Bam out of bio, where he you're not going to get as much of that. Yeah. Where he's going to his left, he could throw the lob to Bam or, you know, he's, he was really good with those little floater push shots as well. Um, That was what really Dragic was one of the key reasons they absolutely destroyed Milwaukee in the bubble is his in-between game and how effective he was there. Um, So yes, uh, Lowry, certainly a better player, but, if we're talking about how much better the Heat are going to be offensively next season because of Lowry, I don't think that's going to be a huge impact, especially when you factor in that I think Trevor Ariza is a much better offensive player than P.J. Tucker is. And if they're just going to literally put Tucker in that starting four spot, you talk about Jimmy Butler, Tucker, and Bam, even with the improvement that we expect to see in Bam continuing to improve that jumper, Mm -hmm. I just there's not enough spacing there, even if you have a good shooting backcourt in Lowry and Duncan Robinson. Uh, so I just really worry when it comes to this team's championship equity, whether they can even, you know, I, again, I, I think you've got to get close to top 10 on both ends of the floor to truly be a championship team. I do not see how this team is a top 10 level offense. And that is a fair concern. Um, they're going to be amazing defensively. They're going to be a very good defensive team do you experiment with like Duncan Robinson at the four at times? I'm just trying to think of, you know, the ways that, that you do bring more hero into the, the starting lineup. I, yeah. Honestly, I, I would prefer doing Lowry hero Robinson and, and then Butler and out bio and bring Tucker off the bench to spell Butler uh, and yeah. play a little three as mm-hmm. well. If you need him to, I, I would prefer that, but I don't, I don't see that being how they go with it, to be honest. I don't either. Um, okay, I think Marquise Morse gives you a little bit of versatility there. I like him more than Bielita for this team. Um, okay. Just not the biggest Bielita guy in the world, personally. Um, it didn't seem like just – it just didn't seem like a good fit, whereas I think the fit for him in Golden State, I think, is a lot I think better. it's going to be better yeah. with him in Golden State. I still don't expect him to be more than just a bit player for them, but – he, he does just seem more like a Golden State system guy than he does a Miami Heat system guy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, not talking about Nemanja. Um, I, I just I think there's going to be enough shooting from other places to make up for what they lack in the P.J. Tucker spot. And I do wish they went in a different direction than P.J. Tucker. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even sure, you know, exactly who that guy would be, uh, even if it was like a Paul Millsap maybe. Um, maybe they still go after a Paul Millsap. I'd, I'd have to think about exactly what kind of roster crunch they're in right now. Uh, they might not have the roster spot for Paul Millsap at this point. But you know who they could really use at this point in time is Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk would be great for them right now. Yeah. Um, 
Max Struess is another shooter that they're going to have in the rotation. Like I expect him to play minutes for them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy who, you know, you relied on at times last year to be another shooter. And we, we talk about guys who can be streaky. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Max Struess come down and hit threes on back-to-back possessions in you know, an important moment in the playoffs. Yeah. Like that's something that we could see happen. Like he's that type of player. Um, I'm not sure if Omer Yurtseven is ready for NBA minutes just yet. I think we'll see him quite a bit in, in the regular season. Uh, whether that happens in the postseason is obviously to be determined. But I, I just think that they have enough around those non-shooters as far as high-level guys in Lowry, Hero, Robinson, Struess, to where that along with what you know Jimmy Butler can still provide for you on offense – what Bam, I'm hoping, you know, will be able to continue to expand. I think that's going to be enough on offense. Yeah, and I guess in like sort of parlaying this with my skepticism about the Lakers a little bit as well is I am concerned about the the age of this roster. And, it and, is, and again, and things have potential. to break right with older rosters in a way that you just don't have to worry about with a team of guys in their mid to late twenties. And even like with Phoenix, it's one guy, right. Mm-hmm. in Chris mm-hmm. Paul, whereas the Lakers, it's like six or seven guys oh, yeah. in this heat yeah. team. It's, it's Butler. <laughs> it's, it's Kyle Lowry. It's mm-hmm. PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Those are three of probably their top eight or nine guys in the rotation yeah. that could all potentially, you could see uh, have a drop off. So that is yeah. another reason why I'm a little bit lower as well. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some, some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the, the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host, Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he, uh, he does, a, d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.